Welcome to Take 10 with Pastor Don. I'm Don McGarvey, pastor of the Trimills Christian Church in Trimills, Iowa. This past Sunday in my message to the church, I mentioned that each choice we make in life has consequences. Some of them are good, while some of them are not so good. Several years ago, I had a conversation with my uncle about what it took to be a good father, a good husband, or a good pastor. He was good at all of those things. I was trying, and still am. Both of us agreed that it wasn't hard to be good in those arenas. For the most part, the things that made for a good dad, a good husband, and a good pastor were not difficult. They were easy, just had to make good choices. We also both agreed that doing the little things would make the big things a little easier when it came time to do those things. When God told us to treat others as we wanted them to treat us, it opened up the door to overcome a lot of relationship challenges. When we don't know how to treat someone, a good thing to do is to think about how we would like to be treated. That was the guideline given to us from God. On paper, it looks easy. But dealing with our pride or our selfishness often makes what should be an easy choice difficult. I mentioned in my sermon last Sunday about the fact that all of our choices have consequences. As I mentioned, some were good, some not so good, and some made it seem as if we were on a path of self-destruction and we're trying to take out everyone who gets in our way. I spent some time thinking about folks in the Bible who made good choices. In all four Gospels, we find the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 Jewish men and their families. They either didn't bring food with them or they ran out of food, or the meeting went longer than they expected. Jesus gave them one directive in order to be fed. I found this very interesting. All they had to do to be fed was to sit. Luke is the only gospel who adds a second part to this directive. He, he recorded that they were to sit in groups of 50. But as they sat, the disciples came by with some fish and bread, and everyone had more than enough to eat because they did. They made a good choice and did what God said to do. It was easy. Just sit down. In the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, we meet a mighty warrior named Naaman. Unfortunately, he became a leper. And if you know anything about lepers in the Bible, you know that this made him an outcast. It made him an untouchable. He couldn't even live in his own home with his own family. He could no longer serve his king as a mighty warrior. One of the young servant girls that Naaman had taken captive in a battle mentioned that she knew about a prophet named Elisha and she believed that if her master Naaman could get to Elisha that Elisha could bring healing to him. So Naaman went. A lot of pomp and circumstances. I'm sure it was this huge caravan that pulled up in front of Elisha's house and Elisha didn't even come out of the house. He sent a servant out and he told his servant to tell Naaman that if he were to go to the Jordan River, dip himself under the water seven times, he would be healed. 
Now remember, I said in the beginning that most of the choices that we make to be good are easy choices. This one sounded too simple to name it. Plus, the Jordan River was considered to be a muddy river, and there were much more pleasant places to travel to, maybe some resorts on some of the other rivers, so Naaman balked a little bit. Now this is where the young servant girl comes in for a second time. This time she challenged her master, the mighty warrior. She said, if the prophet had told you to do some great feat of might, you would have hopped right to it and used all your means to accomplish what was needed to be done. Instead, he gave you simple instructions to dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times and you will be healed. And it worked. Naaman jumped in, headed for the Jordan River, jumped in the river, and started dipping. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us this part, but I just know a little bit about human nature, or maybe I know what I would do if I got in the river, griping and complaining about how muddy it was. I would dip down one time, and then I would check to see if the leprosy was still there. Well, it was. So he dipped the second time. And I'm just as sure as I can be that he checked the second time, too and the third time, and the fourth time, and the fifth time, and even the sixth time. And after each time he looked, he was still a leper. But when he dipped the seventh time, you know, followed the instructions, made the easy choice, made the right choice, after that seventh time he checked and there was no leprosy. In John chapter 2, Jesus was attending a wedding of some friends and we don't know a lot of the details. We just know that somehow, somewhere along the line, they ran out of wine. Jesus' mother volunteers him to help with the solution. And then nearby, there were six large vats that normally held water that was used for ceremonial washing. Now, most of the time, ceremonial washing meant that it was used to wash the feet of the guest of the owner of the house. We assume the vats were empty as they had been used to wash the feet of the wedding guest. So Jesus told the servants to fill those vats with water. Probably the vats held between 20 and 30 gallons of water each. And after they filled the vats full of water, they were to dip the water out and serve it to the master of the banquet. They did. That water had turned to wine. And the master of the banquet said that that wine was better than the first wine that had been served. There was nothing difficult about the instructions Jesus gave the servants. As a matter of fact, his mother Mary told the servants, just do whatever he tells you to do. That's all. So Jesus told them to fill the vats with water and he'd take care of the rest of it. And he did. I love that part. All I'm required to do is obey. God will take care of the rest of it. The results aren't up to me. The results are up to God. But the choice of obeying or not is always mine or yours. In the book of Daniel, we have a great story about a powerful king. Perhaps the most powerful king in the whole world at that time. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. Not only was he powerful, but he was proud. 
He was taking credit for his kingdom, and he was taking credit for being the great one. Never once did he think of giving God credit for anything. But Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. This man had a lot of dreams. And he had this dream, and Daniel interpreted the dream, and Daniel warned him from his dream that if you don't stop taking credit for all of this and start giving God credit, you're going to lose your sanity. You're going to lose your kingdom. You're going to lose everything you have. You probably know the story. Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen to Daniel. He didn't listen to God. He continued boasting about his great power, his wealth, and his great kingdom, and how great he was. Now, I find it very interesting in Daniel chapter 4 that the last words Nebuchadnezzar uttered before he lost his sanity were these words. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence for my, my, by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The Bible says those words were uh, barely off his lips when he felt the urge to move and start looking for an alfalfa field. Giving credit to God doesn't seem to be a difficult thing to do, but Nebuchadnezzar's pride kept him from doing so. The consequences of his poor choice lasted for a period of sevens. We don't know if it was for seven days, seven weeks, seven months, or seven years. But the king lost his kingdom and lived as a beast of the field. He ate grass, crawled on all fours, and lived in the outdoors for whatever period of time God had ordained. I'm convinced that obeying God in the small things will always pave the way for God to use us in some larger things. I'm also uh, convinced that uh, keeping ourselves in alignment with God will help us make the right choices no matter what comes along. John chapter 15 verse 10 says that if you keep my commands you will remain in my love. But I'm also just as convinced that if we are not faithful in the small things, the easy things, that we'll never experience the goodness of God in our life like God intended for us to. Well, that's our time for today. Thanks for joining us on our Take 10 podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so by hitting the subscribe button. Ring the bell on the platform you are listening on. And if you're comfortable with doing so, please tell your friends about us. Thanks again for joining us, and God bless you.